So the big question is this, are you tired of the hustle and grind of fix and flip? Do you really think you can wholesale your way to success? What you really want is a cash flowing portfolio that lets you live a life of freedom, sunsets and palm trees on your terms. But what if you're stuck because you have no capital, no time and no idea where to start? That ends now. Your host, Corey Peterson, is a rags-to-riches real estate millionaire who started out with no money or credit and quickly grew a portfolio of cash-flowing apartments. Not to mention, he did it all with other people's money. You're only one deal away from creating the cash flow life, and the Multifamily Legacy Podcast will show you how. So now, here's your host, the big kahuna, Corey Peterson. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Multifamily Legacy Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Peterson, and we've got a wonderful show for you today. My guest, uh, Gary Lipsky, uh, is with Break of Day Capital, and he's got a really unique story in how he had come really from the passive side, where he's invested in over 1,500 uh, units passively, and within the last six months, he's kind of started the process, and he's, he's closed over 170 units he has a wealth of knowledge and wealth of experience. I- I'm going to let you kind of give you a little bit better, but he's the founder of Break of Day Capital. He was the uh, founder and co-president of ARC. Um, is it ARC? Yes. Which uh, he grew the company to $12 million in revenue and over 700 employees. So he comes with a lot of business experience. And I think the way he go about and the way he's gone about his education in the multifamily space and his, and his explosion and what the growth is getting ready to have is going to be an amazing story to tell. And so, uh, Gary, welcome to the show, brother. Hey, thanks for having me. I really enjoy your show. Thanks, man. So as we're talking before the show started, you know, the, the journey, and, and you kind of made it as a metaphor of an iceberg. You know, when you look at an iceberg, you only see like the tip of, you know, what comes out of the water. But most of the time, what's below the water is ginormous, is, is a lot bigger. And that kind of, you were saying, you know, that's kind of what it took to get from the passive side to actually owning your own units. Let, let's talk about that, brother. That's pretty neat. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of people, you know, have, you know, have uh, commented oh, on fire and things are really cooking and, and they, and then they have been, and, and I'm really excited for it, but certainly everything I've done in the past has led up to this moment, the lessons learned, the mistakes, all the hard work has brought me to this point where now I can really rev up. And uh, my business partner and I goal is to to actually do 50 million assets under management in the next year. So we're really excited. But um, yeah, I've been an entrepreneur my whole life. Even as a kid, I was doing entrepreneurial activities. I owned a business in college, right out of college. I co-produced uh, three films, independent films in, uh, in my 20s. And then started this uh, after-school outdoor ed and leadership development company in my early 30s. And I had been investing in real estate previously, but um, you know, I, I went through a recession. You know, and my, that business was like, you know, we'd have receivables of like a million dollars. We had, you know, and and the bank at that time just shut us off. And so, you know, knowing how to manage people, having a steady hand, and and kind of being a solutions-oriented person really led me to multifamily, which is, is, is a great way for me to use all the skills that I've learned in the past and, and apply it in this format. It's almost like the perfect storm. Everything that you've done before is leading you up to what you're doing now. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So how do you go from, um, you know, what, what made you pick multifamily in the beginning and, you know, and you started just investing passively, right? So tell me about that experience. Yeah. Well, even, uh, on the houses that I bought personally for, um, my family, I always looked at it as a value add. I didn't ever wanted to buy the perfect home. You know, I always looked at it like, okay, this house needs a little bit of work, but boy, that's, that's great value. And, Little did I know that was going to lead me into, you know, the future. But I, you know, I did, you know, worked on some rehab projects and, and, and what, and whatnot. And that was kind of my, uh, entry into, uh, investing as I would roll that house over into another and then, or, or bring on a renter and, and move somewhere else. Um, and then I started looking at, you know, some small units, uh, but never, never really pulled the, uh, the trigger. And I had sold my business, uh, three years ago, and that kind of gave me the time to in- invest personally in my education. And it also gave me some money to invest. So, you know, I, I was going to tons of meetups, listening to podcasts, going to real estate conferences and uh, just learning a ton and kind of figuring out where I wanted to be, because definitely in real estate, there's, so many ways to make money and everyone's selling you their, their package. Everything, everything is looks really <laughs> sexy, you know? Yeah. Done for you. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But luckily enough, I kind of stumbled on uh, multifamily and it, it definitely spoke to me. Now, when I started, you know, I, I had the mindset, you know, coming from a, as an entrepreneur, certainly you want to build teams, but you don't, you don't want other partners, you know, as an entrepreneur, because, just decision-making and people could be in a different place in their life and all these different things. So I was looking at like 12 unit stuff and, you know, there'd be one or a couple things wrong. It just, it it was, it was hard to make that work. And uh, it was just slow moving. When I finally changed my mindset to partner with other people and, you know, at these going to these meetups and conferences, I was being, I was surrounded by a lot of like-minded people good people shared a lot of information. And that for me was like rocket fuel, you know, didn't mean I wanted to partner with everyone, but I, I, I found someone that I really enjoyed working with that worked really hard, that pushed me, that brought the best out of me. And that, that kind of really helped for us to go out and, uh, and, you know, we closed on our first deal in May, a 42 unit. And then we just closed a few weeks ago, a 128 unit, uh, a $15 million deal in Phoenix. And, you know, we're off and running. We've got a, a, a <laughs> right on, man. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. And certainly we increased our team too. I mean, we, we had five other partners for, for this last deal, but, um, but that's how you get a big deal done. You know, sometimes you got to bring on uh, other people and, um, yeah, we're looking, we're, we're bringing on more people for our team and looking to, um, close, uh, you know, three, four deals in, in the next uh, 12 months. So just, I love the part of being resourceful. Right. I mean, that's what I'm hearing when you're when you're saying, hey, listen, you set a course, you you kind of found it. You kind of stumbled after you go through all the education. You're like, oh, but you resonate with the multifamily. Is that what you're I mean, that that sounds to me what you said. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And and Uh, then from there, you found you started just getting you started networking and just trying to be as in many things as you can. Yeah. And I, I was that guy that in the beginning would go to a networking event, talk to a couple of people I knew talk to maybe three other people and then like bail because that was like pushing me out of my comfort zone. Right. Each time I would 
network a little bit longer and a little bit longer and a little bit longer and, and until I got comfortable with it. And yeah, finding finding other people just and talking with other people, you just learn what they're doing, what they're doing right, what they're doing wrong, helping other people and other people were helping me. So it was just, it was great synergy. And uh, I felt jazzed leaving those uh, events. And, you know, so the next day, you know, I'm, I'm ready to work and, and kick butt, you know. So I definitely recommend it for those uh, starting out. And even, you know, even those that have been really successful, it's, it is rocket fuel. You run currently now four meetups right yeah different yeah, different three in los angeles and uh one in phoenix i'm out there in phoenix looking at deals or m- managing my own property so we're out there all the time so we do that once a month and uh yeah it's a great great way to meet other people and then we also bring on uh, some really good uh, speakers so it gives me an opportunity to learn from those those speakers and and uh people that come to the meetup as well what do you notice about when you're the the host of a meetup what happens? That's that's a that's a great question. Yeah, people people come to me. They you know which is which is great. So whether they um, certainly they they they'll ask questions. How can I help them? And 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 I'm happy to. But other people have brought deals. I've brought. Uh, they're looking to invest money. Um, yes. Uh, they'll they'll help us with uh, setting up the meetups. Whatever it is, it it I definitely recommend hosting your own meetup and finding a niche, finding something different than what other people are doing. You don't, don't. How, ma- how many people should up your first meetup? In Phoenix, we actually, we, for both meetups, I probably had a good 40 plus people. We're using a, a platform, Multifamily Masters. I think we have uh, 40 chapters throughout the U.S. now. But when I when we started, it was uh, just a bunch in L.A. Um, and that's helped. And, and certainly we've, we've typed it up on uh, social media um that's actually really good though i mean but again that's being smart you just said hey listen i don't want to create it from scratch let me find out how to be a part of something and have them help help the lift right yeah absolutely absolutely they uh, we have a pretty good um i think we have a 2000 um member facebook uh group now and yeah so it's 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 uh, a lot, again that it's that rocket fuel you know i don't i don't have to do everything myself i'm leveraging other other uh, opportunities. I love how you just categorize the meetups as rocket fuel because there is power in those groups. Am I right? Hell yeah. What, what, I mean, you just said it earlier, but you, I mean, deals, money, people, resources. I mean, those are all the things that show up at meetups. Yeah. And what, and this is really why it's important. I think to, to run your own, if you can, or why you should be looking at it, or at least attend is because you can still be part of that. But like when you're the leader of the group, it all trickles back to you most of the time. Yeah, absolutely. And we've, we've found some good people that are, are joining our team. You know, they're like, well, we'd love for you to mentor us. And, uh, you know, I kind of chuckled like, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm no expert, you know, uh, but, um, but you're in front of the room. Yeah. I can share you the things that we do well and what I know and my, my strengths, (laughs) And I will help you, and 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 they are they are jumping in and wanting to help us too. So it's uh, it's great, dude. So I love that. So because I feel like this, is what you're doing is, you know, there's always a learning. You're always trying to learn, and then you're always helping others. One hand's up in the air, someone's pulling you up, and you got your other hand down, pulling someone else along the way. And and really, that's I think that you see that at meetups all the time. There's there's a lot of people that are, are willing to give, and then what you get in return is you get to live out your fantasy. 
and your dream and your goal of, and when you're currently doing it is becoming an operator. Yeah. Yeah. I'm learning from experienced people or even and beginners that they're looking at it a different way. So lots for me to learn and people have definitely helped me. So it, it always feels good to give back as well to help. To help Let's others. talk about mistakes along the way. So you've acquired two decent sized units. What did you learn on those uh, on those first two? Oh, learn, learn a lot, learn a lot. Um, I think you used the word earlier, resourceful. You, you always have to be resourceful. You know, you, you face a lot of obstacles along the way on this, on this current deal. You know, this was um, uh, end of August, Fannie Mae kind of changed that, you know, really tightened up the lending and whatnot. And we actually pressed pause just as we were about to launch our webinar, which isn't good because we didn't, you know, we had a buffer in there for um, for our loan. As far as you know, we they said it was going to be four point two. We had it at a four point four rate, and um, we had our, our loan to value um, higher as well. But we weren't sure where the where the lending market was going to go. So we 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 pressed pause and let it shake out for the next two weeks. Once we knew it was more stable and Fannie Mae opened up again, then we went through. But we were, we were debating for a while how how you know how does this look with the investors and whatnot, but we wanted to get it right and not go back to our investors. So you know you explain to them what's going on, you, you take a deep breath and and you move forward. So that that was one of the one of the things um, we did. Also, if you yeah, so on, uh, let me just highlight that for you because you know really this happens a lot. Is we underwrite at a certain LTV or whatever. And then the banks will they'll give you a term sheet that says that, and then but somewhere in the middle they're like, no, it's gonna be it's gonna change, and you're like, what? I just raised all this money based on these calculations, right? Or or at least uh, that I mean that, and then or the rate changes, and you're like, wait, <laughs> hold on, <laughs> this yeah, this have changes. to fill in that buffer. Yeah, so it's important to have some buffers in there just in case. Am I right? Yeah, yeah, we build in a, a lot, a, a lot of buffers because things will go wrong. It's a, rarely is, is something going to be perfect. You know, certainly in the last uh, eight years, you you have to really screwed up to lose money on a deal. But that doesn't mean the future is going to be that way as well. Right. So. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And so as you as you so what what else what else is some big learning lessons on those first couple because well, I mean th- those are those dealing are, with a seller who's a pain in the ass from the beginning it's not going to improve. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us more. <laughs> yeah, so be wary of that, and you may want to walk away. I mean, he he was a ball buster every step of the way, and even things that just made sense for us to like work together on. He just was a you know just wasn't realistic and we should have known from day one when you know we agreed on an LOI and you know we get a contract from them that was completely different he never shared the LOI with his lawyer which was ludicrous and so we thought the deal was over and then kind of got resurrected again but you uh, you have to stay patient and have to stay true to your numbers and and things will work out and if it doesn't you know if the deal goes sideways, you know, it doesn't, you know, you don't end up closing the deal, then it, it, it is what it is, but you've got to, you've got to stay steady and not, not chase a deal just because, you know, it's for us, it was our, it, yeah. our, you know, our 128 unit, you know, but just because it was 120 units for us and all we did was a 42 before, you know, we've got to do what's right for the investors and not, 
and not stay in a deal just because um, we want to we want to get a big uh, a big medal on our resume, you know? Right. Yep. No, exactly. And it's really, you know, so I find it interesting that you're having uh, the seller uh, provide a contract. Now, is that something that the broker recommended or is that just something that they said, hey, we'll we'll write up the contract. You give us the LOI, we'll write up the contract. So uh, we worked with the broker before and they worked with the seller before. So, you know, they kind of steered us that way. You know, that, you know, that's just the way it was, it was going, I guess. No, it's, it's your first couple of deals, right? So you're going through it. And I love this because this is just, you're being as raw and as authentic as you can possibly be, because this is what happens. Yeah. Brokers yeah. tend to be like, oh, listen, yeah, well, we'll, we'll draw up the, uh, the contract. Now, I believe in that we should, as I've gotten more experience too, because my first couple of deals I bought that way as well. But I've learned that it's sometimes better to have your attorney draw up the contract because I swear to God, just like you just said, <laughs> they change it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they absolutely change it. You're like, are we reading the same piece of paper? Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. So that's a good lesson. I mean, that's a real lesson. And that's, that's a real life. I mean, that's a real good example of, hey, man, we're going through our process. We bought one. Now we're going to buy our second one. And, we're, going, and we're, we're trying to be a good buyer. That's what you're trying to do, right? I just want to be an easy buyer. I'm here to buy your property. And I, I'm assuming that the seller is going to be just as nice and play nice. Yeah. yeah. But he wasn't. Nope. And then he fought you probably in everything. He, he, he changed all his terms. He tried to muscle you as much as he, he could. Right? Did he increase your earnest money at all, or did he? What? Where? Where did he really try to screw you? Yeah. Um, well, even at the at the very literally timetables time change. The the fire panel uh, busted near, and they got a you know, they got a write up, and this was right before we were about to close. So, um, you know, the lenders like they need to fix it, and and the sellers like we're not fixing anything. So. You know, so much back and forth between legal and the lender and the seller and the broker. And 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 finally, we got to a place where the lender okayed us to fix it afterwards. And But yeah, there's just so much back and forth between everyone. And meanwhile, you're under contract and now your money's hard. Yeah, yeah. That's where the real rub is, right? That's like when you're in that hard all of a sudden, like in which case, what you're talking about is a fire code violation, right? Is that what you had? A fire yeah, code? yeah. And so, you know, we've got, um, you know, our property management company saying, you know, if you need it, if you need to repair everything up to up to, you know, the new you know code and whatnot, it's like one hundred seventy thousand. But if you just fix this one thing, which is which is should be OK, it's only like a few thousand dollars. And, you, you know, you have this huge variance and, you, you know, that that'll, that'll and you're still you trying out. to figure it all out. And the, and the lender's saying, hey, listen, we got to have it fixed or remedied or something because we don't want to lend money based on this problem. Well, yeah. but it's also a new problem that you didn't anticipate that is it in your CapEx budget, right? Yeah, absolutely. And then who's going to pay and why am I at fault? And then the seller, this is what sellers do. They're like, well, <laughs> what's in the contract, right? I'm not, but you're like, listen, I'm not going to buy the property. I can't buy the property unless we negotiate. We got to figure out how to fix it. And, um, that's a real good live scenario because that's that's the realities of what happens once you get into this game. Now, yeah, yeah. So it's you, still a you, great game, though, right? Oh, I, I love the action. Um, I, you know, the you know negotiating and doing the numbers and all that. That's 
that's what I, I love what about. What did you love? What did you love about those two projects? What did you do right? What did you feel like you did like you really did like just man, we we smashed it. Well, for both properties, I, I we were very meticulous on our underwriting. You know, we 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 were very conservative. We have uh, buffers, you know, throughout so that you know if 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 you do face an issue like this, that you can it still makes sense to move forward because you have all these other buffers in there. And, you and when, when you talk about buffers, tell me what do you mean by that? So, you know, if the property manager says, oh, we can get to 1250 for this two bedroom and you underwrite at 1200. So even if the comps all suggest you can get 1250, you know, we have that $50 of, of margin to, to get to, you know, and, and you multiply it over so many units over, over, over 12 months, that's, that's a big buffer right there. And right. if you have a little bit more in expense money throughout, you know, because things change, things change on a dime. So you better, you better have a uh, margin for error. So, you know, if, if, if the tariffs go up and you're trying to buy cabinets or whatever it is from China and, and your, your uh, costs go up 30%, you, you know, you need to have some margins for error because things, things do change. Chain. Um, uh, that is a great. Another great analogy is what you're talking about is underwriting conservatively, and most people like. And I love the way that you say it with confidence, Gary, because I think that's what it takes. I mean, it sounds. I mean, like you didn't put out your best case scenario to your investors. You actually put in something that's very realistic that you felt like even if it gets worse, I even underwrote it for worse. So I'm cool. We what we're shooting for the moon, but if it doesn't happen, then I'm still okay. I've got. An- I'd rather overperform and underpromise. You know, I you know a lot of deals you know are are boosting you know 18 percent returns and this and that. And we came out. I think it was like 15 and, and a quarter uh, IRR and um, you know reasonable 8 percent cash on cash. You know, every deal can look sexy on paper, and yeah, I could have underwrote it a little bit more aggressively, but yeah, I'd rather I'd rather under under promise and and hit the marks and make them make the investors ha- you know, give them what they expect, right? Yeah. Give them what what they expect. Yeah. How does that make and how do, and how does that make you feel going forward? Like, what kind of confidence does that give you? Oh, oh, absolutely. It's uh, you know when we're. You know, when you're first underwriting deals and you just don't know what, you, you know, like you haven't gone full cycle, you're just not sure. Like, did I underwrite it conservatively or not? And then when you show other people and they're like, oh, man, you really wrote it, under, you know, conservatively, like some of our partners said, um, they're like, no, this is this is great. You're this is a this is a home run. But yeah, I mean, you, you but gotta, it looks like a base hit on paper, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's fine because it's still better. I'd rather have my money there than anywhere else. So, um, you, you know, with the nice tax benefits and everything else. So how much uh, money did you guys raise in your first couple of deals? First deal, we raised a million on the second deal. We raised 5.7. Atta boy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, again, we brought on some other people. There was three of us on the first deal, six on the, on the second deal, but, uh, yeah, it was a, it was a big jump. And, uh, you know, I've been working my investor database and, you know, just building up to there. And uh, it was it was uh, it was exciting. And, you know, I look to continue to increase the amount I raised and on uh, on the consistent basis as well. What do you think you've done um, that's helped move that needle on your raising capital? 
Well, build my email list. I think when uh, on the first deal, I had like 300 people and now I have a thousand and that was all in a few months and between the uh, the meetups and then we also do a webinar every month. We're adding a lot of new emails every every month and it's uh, just an email doesn't, you know, doesn't really help you as much. Certainly you may get, you know, a couple of uh, outliers that want to invest and come to you, but certainly you've got to have meaningful relationships with people and it's you're not going to have them with everyone, but Keep trying to work it. If, if people want to get on your list, they come to the meetups or they join the webinars, have conversations, meaningful conversations, see what people are interested in investing. And what are you talking about on your webinars every month? So we've had um, some CPAs come on and talk about past tax benefits. We've uh, underwritten uh, a couple of deals. The last month we um, we did uh, past investing 101 and went over terms and what to look for. So we're really trying to educate others. So, so it's not the same pitch every time. It's it's this is your nurture campaign for for your passive investors. Absolutely, and we we really don't do a pitch. You know, we'll I'll, we'll do like mm-hmm. two minutes on on what we're doing and really get into the meat. And uh, we've gotten great feedback on those webinars. People love the content. That's a great idea. I'm actually taking notes on that because I think that's that's a phenomenal, something I'm not doing, but I'm, I'm like, that's a great idea. That's a really good idea that I'm like, duh, I should be doing that. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't have to be long too. And, um, you know, we have a QA and a on, uh, on the, uh, at the end and, you know, we're just talking about what we know. And, um, and I mean, at the end of the day, that's not a long, that's a big, that's not even a big commitment for you, but it's a, a, a huge amount of value to your passive investors that just want to understand that you're in the mix of, of really doing it and the right ones show up all, you know, and do you send out the replay afterwards? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. on, our, um, we on our YouTube channels and, uh, yeah. So we, we've had people, uh, come to us and say, Hey, I've watched it three times. I love it. I've learned so much. Keep, you know, keep, keep doing them. Wow. That's a great nugget, man. So on top of all your meetups and stuff like that, you're running a, a, a monthly webinar and it's the focus is on passive investors. And are you going and talking more about you know, so your CPA? Just so just every aspect part of the deal, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, wow. That's very interesting. Very cool. And we brought on other other experts as well to to join us. So it's not it's not just us talking. It's you know we're we're learning and we're bringing. Uh, you're just being you're being a thought leader. You're just saying, hey, listen. If I don't have all the answers, I know I'm going to go be resourceful and find them. Yeah. Yep. Oh man, that's huge. That's huge value. Like, listen, guys, if you're listening right now, <laughs> write that down and underline it twice. Um, that's a great way to to uh, nurture your list. So you know. And, and, you know, growing lists is one thing, but nurturing the list that you have and creating a more in-depth relationship and for them to know, like you and trust you, what do you find that it does for, for their wallets, Gary? Oh, absolutely. They're, they're opening it up because if you keep looking for the same investors in the, in the pond that we're all fishing in, then it's not, you know, it, it, that money dries up fast. You've got to find other people that really don't know about this and, uh, and then educate them. So that they're ready, and uh, once they're educated and really understand it, then they're really they're ready to uh, invest. That is the game, right? It is really that's a great nugget, Gary. Because 
what you're talking about is there a lot of times they're sophisticated or, or I'm, I'm sorry, accredited investors. These are smart people that make money. They just don't know. They've never heard of a private placement or how to invest in apartments. They're usually just in the stock market. And there's, I mean, so many people out there just like that. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And they they almost think it's like, oh, it's too good to be true. It's just- yeah. It's a sham. <laughs> yeah, I mean the whole the whole uh, what you're doing is overcoming their fear of who is this guy? Do I know him? Can I like him? Do I trust him? And that takes and that's only conquered by communication at time. Yeah, yeah. Some people, I mean, they're they're all in on day one, and some people, you know, it's taken you know six months, and some people it'll take longer. But they're watching me. They're they're getting, you know, wrapping their head around it. And, um, you know, a lot of the people that haven't invested will invest uh, down the road at some point. Gary, from the first deal that you did, you raised money on that first deal. How many reinvested in your next deal? Oh, uh, I think we had like 75%. You know, some just didn't have any more money. And some, you know, we just bought, we found, you know, our, our investor list increased. But I, I believe... We were around seventy five percent that re reinvested, which is I'm pretty happy with. That's that's amazing. That's actually amazing too. I mean, if you can get if you can get I mean twenty five or fifty percent of people, because people always the reason I want to say this is people have more money. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they always do. And if they know, like, and trust you, and you did really good on their first one, they will usually come on your second too. Yeah, and they're telling others too, like, hey, you know, because that first deal. I mean, we we scheduled. We're thinking a five year hold based on our projections, but we may sell it in a year because we're we're just we're killing it on it, and we're on target for our five year projection in at the end of year one. And so, you know, they're getting their mailbox money. They're telling others, and um, uh, we're getting uh, investors that way too. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, I I think that's. I mean, you're hitting it on all cylinders. So let's finish off with you know your future. What does the future hold for Gary? Well, we're, we're constantly learning, improving our processes and building our systems. And in the next year, we really would love to do $50 million in assets under management. And, um, you know, that means, you know, we're utilizing our operational experience. You know, I've, like I said, I've been an entrepreneur my whole life. So I, I know how to work with other people, be solutions oriented. So we want to just keep, keep growing this and um, Making money for. And I love how you say fifty million, but it really means like two projects, maybe three, right? Um, yeah, yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe three, four. I mean, it, it all depends. But that's you know, we're not merely focused on the size of the deal, but uh, just uh, expanding our reach. Just doing go out there trying to find the right deals that make sense, and then putting them together. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then marrying them to some money. Yep, yep, and uh, and we have a good team in place, so uh, let's just keep up. Uh, doing what we're doing. Gary, what's the best advice that you could give someone out there that's new um, that wants to get into multifamily space? You know, uh, take action. You know, um, you can't, you're, you're, you're not going to be able to close a deal by sitting in, you know, behind your desk and only underwriting. Meet people, get out there, go to meetups, go to conferences, Go, you know, check out properties, meet with brokers. You have to take action and, and, and be out there and don't work in a silo. Partner with others. Dude, partner with others. What would you say uh, to what would mistake would you try to let new investors avoid? Every deal looks sexy. So, you know, get to know the operator. Just don't look at, you know, the, the, 
offering memorandum and and that's your only due diligence you know when you look the you know the the syndicator the the general partner in the eye and do you feel comfortable with them and and, and get to know them that is so vital before you invest no dude you just nailed that one on the head <laughs> and that's from a passive side. I mean, that's really just saying, listen, if you're going to go into it, and it really could be even with a GP. If I'm going to, if I'm going to jump in with this guy, that's the GP, and I want to be a part of it of his team. But who is that person? That's, I mean, because you never know, and you really, you really need to do some due diligence on it. Yeah, yeah. Are they going to stick around? What if the deal goes south? If uh, are they going to? Are they on to the next one? And you, you know, you just because you get a deal doesn't mean it's over. You now you've got to asset manage that deal and stay on top of the property management and then go visit that that site and do secret shopping and do all this stuff there's a, there's a that's where the work really begins you know so you make sure that person has that business background who you're you know who who you're uh, investing with yeah gary man thank you for your time brother uh for really just kind of opening up these these two deals there's no doubt in my mind that you're going to be a, a huge uh, momentum going in the, in the future. Uh, if people wanted to get a hold of you, Gary, how do they how do they do that? Yeah, email me Gary at breakofdaycapital.com. You can visit my website, connect with me on LinkedIn or Facebook. Um, uh, I love connecting with others and talking real estate. Love it, love it. Listen again. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your stories. Uh, the tremendous value. I think um, you know for anybody that's out there, then you're starting. Um, you know the multifamily game. I believe is one of the best things you could ever get into it gives you upfront money it gives you cash flow it gives you some really nice back end when you hold these properties long enough it truly is the trifecta of what we would all want in real estate and at the end of the day i believe wholeheartedly that it can give you time and money but to do it and to achieve it it first starts in between your two ears you have to believe it guys you have to believe that this is the route and then you start making and, and, and tracking your journey to your success because if you believe it you can achieve it and your paradise is possible